All right, what is going on, guys? Welcome to uh, we'll call it a special edition because Ben Ben has a, a a special mindset of never drafting players that are older than about the age of twenty three, and he has also never drafted a running back. And we're also drafting on a platform that certainly allows you to get a lot of young players and a lot of wide receivers on your team tonight. Special DraftKings draft. So I had to bring in Ben Gretsch, yards per Gretsch. The, that, I'm, I'm, I'm using this moving forward now. You're the, the thief of signals and the thief of, of bananas with, the, <laughs> with stealing bananas and stealing signals. So I'm super, super pumped, pumped to have you on and let you actually dabble in some of this. I'm waiting for you to Venmo me ten dollars for this DraftKings draft, yes. and then and then and then we'll get rolling, right? All right, yeah. I mean, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on, man. Like, I uh, I live in a, a state that where I can't do as much best ball drafting, like you're kind of impl- implying there. So I, I love doing these drafts with you guys, and I'm I'm always more on the because I, don't, I haven't done you know a ton of drafts. I'm always more on the player take side anyway. Just you know, I'm I'm deep into that. I love drafting with guys like you who are construction savants, and like we're gonna build a good team. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna you know make sure that that we stay on 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 track construction wise and uh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I always like drafting with different people, but definitely people like you that you know I I I'm a football guy to you know air quotes football guy too. Like I I mean I played college football. I'm like that's how I got into this. Not you know a lot of people got into it with poker or or even sports betting or you know they're just geniuses. I'm definitely not a genius. It actually started with with football for me. And so I kind of grew into more of the game game theory aspect. So I'm a little bit of the football guy at my core, but I also that's not where I focus uh, as much of my attention after especially after moving into to DFS. So I really like talking with people like you that I you know, I lean more towards you. Like I listen to you and Sean, right? I listen to Pat. I listen to, to you know, obviously Evan and all the people that are super smart in this space. And it's it, like you said, I think it's a really good dynamic of having, you know, I'm just grinding these drafts. And so like, I might even get like robotic, right? Of structure or whatever. And having somebody to bounce ideas off of or listen to your takes as we go, go through the draft. I always find it to be really helpful. And then we also build like different teams, Right. Yeah. It's like we always end up like we'll do a ship chasing draft. We end up with a little bit of a different team because we're bouncing different ideas off each other. Yeah, for sure. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get into this. I got there's a storm that's that that's a brewing here. So I'm warning everybody. I'm warning you and everybody like if I if I fade away or if the dogs start going nuts or something like that, uh, we got a we, we got a storm brewing here. So let's see. Uh, let's see if we can hop in one of these. Uh, DraftKings. That's great. If you fade away, I'm just going to be here without the without the draft. Just yeah. a dog and pony show. We'll just be auto drafting, and you just got to go crack a beer and just start talking about <laughs> yeah. Just start talking about uh, whatever whatever comes to your mind. So we're hopping in. We'll see see what we got here. Five of twelve. They usually fill pretty fast. So. So yeah, we were talking a little bit before the show. I wanted to do DraftKings specifically, a because you know, like the the puppy two just filled today on Underdog. Selfishly, I have a hundred into Best Ball Mania two, and I'm trying to kind of save those final fifty for a little bit closer to the season to really kind of soak up as much of of my competition edge as as I can with those those last ones. Whereas DraftKings is just like, it's so, it is, it is so soft. And I think it plays into some of the strategy and stuff that, that we employed. So one thing I did want to ask you like super quickly is when you get into these rooms where you know that they're soft 
like as it relates especially to, to wide receiver right they're they're pretty running back heavy like I, i've talked about like you'll see like we can even scroll on the like the adp here we're gonna go down and you're gonna see some of these dudes going in the 80s right visca 85 yeah. you know will fuller's past 100 rondale moore goes at like pick 150 you know you know that they're soft on guys that you like especially at wide receiver later how do you approach that in terms of like structure and taking you know taking the the quote-unquote detours on on the other positions yeah i mean i think just practically sort of the way you you would you would think about it is how i tend to i'm more willing to to take detours right like if i could build the same wide receiver room uh later then i'm more i'm more willing to take a, a shot on an early running back or or even multiple depending on the build yeah. um when you get into to places where wide receiver can drive quickly that's when you really have to hammer a receiver it seems sort of counterintuitive everyone says zig one other zag and all those things but it doesn't work at wide receiver um but yeah like i mean the way that i'm thinking about it is like seasonal home leagues or like redraft home leagues like that's i'll be a little bit more robust in the early parts of those drafts because i'm like i'm gonna crush these guys in rounds eight through ten with mm-hmm. really good wide receiver values anyway i've done it really strictly before and i basically have limited my own upside because i'm just so good at receiver and then i still can't take those values in like round nine round, round ten and it's like okay right. well, why don't i take some shots at running back early and then i'll i'll still be plenty deep at receiver so yeah i mean i i tend to be a little more willing to to take the detours i'm curious how have you done a lot of drafting on, on DraftKings? how do you wind up building when you do them here yeah, I have done uh, a lot on DraftKings. I, I was trying to pull up really quick how many, because uh, they just launched a new $5, which is actually what I've been pushing a lot of people to, not trying to push people away from underdog. We love underdog. We love everybody there. The product is is outstanding. Um, but as you know, it's a little bit of a sharper sharper room. You know, I mean, every room feels like a ship chasing room on underdog versus on DraftKings. So I'm, I'm almost 100 in in the Millie Maker here. And then I've been doing some of the the smaller stuff that they have. And what I have found is I, I actually, why I asked you that question is actually because I struggle with those early round detours because I'm so, I'm in such a mindset of actually what other people might think is, is the opposite. I see the guys that I have to reach for a little bit more on underdog and not reach. I don't think that they're reaches, but they go much later. CD lamb, even like George Kittle, yeah. even Darren these guys that I have to prioritize early in drafts on underdog. And, and so I'm like not even really worrying about those running backs because I know what's going to happen at wide receiver. And so I kind of force myself a little bit more, you know, to take Antonio Gibson. John, you'll see Jonathan Taylor has fallen here, here too, like to, you know, the middle of the second round, Saquon's a second round pick, you know, a lot of that stuff. And, and on underdog, I've still actually kind of been moving away from those guys. Whereas on here, I kind of force myself a little bit more to take those detours. And so it's definitely my, my biggest struggle. I end up with a lot more like, you know, hero RB, single elite, whatever, whatever we want to call it, solely because you'll also see later in the draft, it, it's kind of like the inverse. I'm like always getting a wide receiver I like, even up through like the 15th round. And but but there, even in like the, the zero RB type type of back that archetype of back those guys even dry up a little bit a little bit more and quarterback that's another thing we'll probably see here maybe not in this room but quarter people are really really quarterback thirsty on DraftKings too so I end up with a little less what you might think of as as firepower at wide receiver but it's because rounds seven through 14 are so much stronger at at wide receiver that I take a few more details 
take a few more detours early. And, Usually, and so this is closer to what a lot of these other sites have been for you know other other sites in, in prior years that have had best ball tournaments that that we've built a lot of the analysis off of. And and I wonder if it's essentially like this type of a room is where a lot of the stuff that's shown, for instance, how effective hyperfragile can be. Like I, I, I hear all that and, and I'm thinking through and I'm like something, you know, like a hyperfragile build makes a lot more sense to me in this type of a room because you can still build out pretty strong receivers. It kind of is tough on underdog to do that at this point, because we don't really know what that's going to mean in terms of wide receiver scoring, because you, you lose wide receiver upside for sure by like round nine, you know, it's really tough. What pick do we get? We are 10, pick 10. So that's really that's a really funny pick because on underdog, you've you've seen it and experienced it that like that pick a lot of the times, like the Tyreek Dill, Tyreek, Diggs, Devontae will be gone by mm-hmm. by 10 and Kelsey too. But a lot of the times on here, they will not be. Now they might be in this room, like I'm saying this right, and, and we'll see they'll all be gone, but to your kind of to your point, it I think it gives us a lot more flexibility picking tenth here than like you guys did the draft last night, right? And you were trying to figure out where to pick, right? Where to pick in the first round, and you were like, "We know we won't get locked out of those guys we want in the first round with pick five. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in this room, in pick ten, you probably aren't going to get locked out of them. But then even if you do, we have that fallback, like you said, where I we know we can still win the wide receiver room later if we want to go a little bit more ro- robust, right? right with uh, it. And that's the interesting thing when you talk about like Saquon falling to round two and you talk about uh, Jonathan Taylor, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are both on draft to play week one is the latest. And Jonathan Taylor's ADP fell all the way back to the middle of the second round. He was like pick six a couple of months ago in like May. And now he's a middle of the second round pick and there's really no reason for it at all. I mean, th- there's obviously the injuries, but those guys are, are expected to be back. So it's kind of interesting to consider, you know, like a Saquon JT start and intentionally passing up some of these receivers would be if we can then just hammer receiver. It sounds pretty interesting to me. Yeah, it really is. My dogs are howling. You see the storm. <laughs> I told you this. I told you the storm is coming in, so you can see that my dogs are howling at the idea of of starting robust. But I have that's where that's one thing where I felt pretty passionately on underdog. It was actually fairly suboptimal to be going going robust like i still kind of like the single elite idea on underdog but on 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 DraftKings, it has been i i'm a lot more open to like you said saquon jt or whatever pick your two favorite running backs there yeah zeke is sitting there that's hilarious i i, I am not as I, I was gonna say we we've gone back and forth a little bit on i see and there goes there goes saquon which is funny um okay so they took all here, here's the question now Zeke is there. Eckler, Eckler is there. We talked about maybe JT in the second round. What are you, what are you thinking? I mean, I all three of the elite receivers are gone. I think you just have to take Zeke and and start to build the sort of a the about the only place I would take Zeke is in sort of this robust type of build where yep. we're probably not going to have a lot of running backs. We know he's probably going to get enough volume. He's going to get touches. I'm worried about the explosiveness. A lot of times when guys start to fall off and have the deficiency issues that he had last year it never comes back at running back now everyone's saying he's in great shape and everything so and it's a great offense i mean there's there's upside cases but in this scenario we can at least bank on the fact that they're tied to him for the next two years for a ton of money they're going to use him they're not going to not use him if he's healthy so we're at least locking in a lot of touches i feel pretty comfortable with his touch uh 
And then Taylor goes. <laughs> I was That's hoping hilarious. to get Taylor on the way back. I would take Taylor over Z straight up. I was hoping to get both. Yeah, that's why, and that's the thing. I like. I, I've I, I've gone really. Zeke's probably the one guy I've, I continue to kind of flip flop on, and we can talk a little bit more about that after we after we make our pick. But I think I like JT over over Zeke too. So here's now the question: Is I don't really like other than Antonio Gibson. I don't really want to invest in any of these running right. backs. So it would probably be like a Ridley versus a Gibson. Do you have a take between those two guys? I mean, it's it's very close for me. Uh, I like Gibson a, a lot, but I'm very comfortable going Ridley here too. Or, I mean, have the tight ends go? Do you ever go tight end this early here? I, mean, I don't I usually. Wallet. Okay. I don't usually. Let's. I, I'm. You've got me. I want to try this. Okay. I want. I want. I want to try our robust and see how it works to see if we can still kind of press a wide receiver advantage. Structurally, I think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. Pairing Gibson with Zeke, so going back on the the Zeke thing, I think a guy like Zeke is more so. Like I don't want any part of Zeke at ADP in a season long managed league because of kind of what you said. I, I can manufacture the points that he's probably going to get, and I'm not sure there's the true dream about it ceiling that I really want from that, that kind of a pick. However, in best ball, when you get run out of those elite wide receivers early, there is value in having the guy that is just putting up a score every single week. That's getting you something that's really, really usable. Yeah. Right. If Zeke's scoring 16, 17, 18, 20 points a week. Yeah. It's not perfect. But like just being able to plug that in and then build the appropriate structure around yeah. it in best ball. So one is of the things helpful. I talk about in redraft when people ask me about zero RB and all these things, it's not just about finding uh, a late round running back that want, like people are like oh you never find hits and they, they focus very much on like the, the hit rate of individual running backs in the later rounds. Sometimes we get the James Connors and stuff they do exist obviously, but part of the point in zero RB and all that in, in managed is. You're just trying to get uh, a, a solid score out of your two running back slots over the course of the season. And really the way that plays out in a lot of the teams that I build that way in my, you know, even in high stakes and, and all these other, uh, you know, uh, seasonal leagues is I'm using different running backs at different periods throughout the season. I'm using a pass catcher at times to fill holes until I find a guy who gets a couple of spot starts because one starting running back missed a couple of, uh, missed a couple of games, whatever that type of, um, that type of uh, mix and match kind of puzzle piece in each of your running back slots, looking at them as sort of living, breathing slots, it doesn't work in, in best ball. You, you obviously still can do that in best ball to some degree. You're getting the best score, but right. you don't get to sort of play the, you know, the, the volatility of the position throughout the season as much. Yeah. And so to your point, a guy like Zeke, where you know that if he's healthy, he's going to get touches every week, basically all year, he does have way more of a value because you're not necessarily getting that out of anyone in the in the in the late rounds at running back. You're kind of hoping for you know you know spot starts and all those types of things. Right. It's the exact opposite approach of like of what hyper fragile tries to do at wide receiver. Just hope that the volume of guys you have kind of just it all plays out over the course of the year that you're accumulating enough scores that that end up on the right weeks to where it, it works out for you. And that's kind of like, you know, that, like you said, that that's what I can do that kind of at, at running back, but it does become a, a, a little bit tougher. That's also why it has upside, but 
like I, I am really like I haven't done really many builds like this. And that's, that's why when we started kind of talking about it and we got the 10th pick and I knew that all these yeah. assholes were going to run us out of the elite <laughs> wide, wide receivers, I think it, it becomes interesting. So anyway, we're we're up on the clock here. Of course, they're starting so, to run us out, but we're still no, in a good spot. With, with my players. pick here is actually at running back. I think we go DeAndre Swift and start oh, running okay. back. Swift is a, a guy that shouldn't be going in the late third and – might I like might this. honestly have a better upside case than Gibson. They're very similar. It, he's still a part of that group and that tier. Um, this is a really good three running back start. You, you knew good. when we came on, you were talking about all the receiver <laughs> value we we're going to get. We we're going to we we're going to be robust running back truthers. I mean, that had to happen. That's what uh, I think it was. Amico and even like Norris has Josh Norris from Underdog has said it. You know, we've been playing this game touting wide receivers, pushing up all the wide receiver ADP. We're just playing the long game, trying to sucker everybody in to take all the wide receivers so that we can eventually come back and hammer the running backs. Yep. And now and now that's, that's, that's finally what we have. We have a Zeke Gibson Swift start that's pretty sweet. And now we can – I don't know. I don't know if you guys know the ship-chasing term. We can piss yellow from here on out. <laughs> yep. So I am going to I am gonna pull over. So th- this seems – if you can see who is available – Right yeah. here, yeah, your guy, and th- and this is a perfect example of why we can do this in these specific DK draft rooms, because like you would know in a room like this, in a wider, you know, in a wide receiver, super super heavy room, like DJ Moore doesn't fall to the fourth no. round, right? You know, I mean, even like Godwin, right? Chase, Chase Higgins, all these guys were still available there, so it gave yeah. us a little flexibility to really build out this ro- robust team, and now like we. It's over at running back. We don't. We're never ever going to worry about running back really ever again. You know, until super late rounds if we want to take a dart um, here, here or there. And now we just hammer the wide receiver position. I love uh, our buddy Andrew Mackins is is uh, incensed. He just wrote, "What is happening?" <laughs> we got hey, we got a receiver on the squad now, Andrew. What what what? This is actually a a, a good point though. When you take the Z, what I what I like about robust this way like with Gibson and Swift, I think we agree like Gibson and Swift both have a, a form of a floor, but they're more a little bit more upside bets, right? You're betting that they become the top three pick next season, whereas Zeke is like just kind of the the floor play. Yep. And kind of combining all those together, you're getting like the best of everything that comes with Hyper Fragile, right? Yeah. I know, I know I'm getting my 15 to 20 every week from Zeke. And then I have my two guys that have a floor. So I'm counting on their score, but they also have this, you know, this legendary. And Gibson's upside. a little bit of Gibson's a little of both. We know we're pretty, pretty confident. I'm very, I would say very confident that he's going to get enough of sort of the early down work, the low value touches, all of that, that he can look a, like a little bit like Zeke, maybe not with as many touchdowns mm-hmm. or whatever because of the offense. But then the upside is, oh, does he get enough receiving as well to fill out this really great three down roll? Um, Swift is is almost like the the discount Eckler. He's going to catch enough passes. Um, we don't necessarily know about the full rushing side of it, but his like his projection isn't going to look a lot different than Eckler's necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dude scored ten touchdowns as a twenty one year old rookie last year. Twenty one year old rookies, first of all, uh, we typically don't see amazing uh, amazing year one production out of necessarily. Sometimes we do, obviously. But they're they're young. We got we got to remember that, and then they're gonna grow into year two. Like we expect that. Yeah. He had ten touchdowns last year, forty three catches. He's gonna like he's got the high value touches, the stuff that's really important. And he was explosive, very efficient in the passing game and in the running game. I mean, he's gonna. He, I think he's gonna. He has. A, I don't like the Lions or anything, but he has a chance yeah. to be really good this year. They have a pretty good O line. 
Yeah, I, so, I, admit, I admit. I like that your you point. Guys sold me. You guys sold me a little bit more on on on. I was I was pretty out on on Swift, and I think it was a little bit of laziness. And like listening to you and Sean talk about talk about Swift, I was like, okay, they're making some really good points. Let me kind of reset my brain, go look at him a little bit more, go look at what he even just like looking at what he did last year. I was just kind of like, yeah, he was fine, but he wasn't like anything special. And then, like you said, you go look, and I was like, damn, he was a lot better than I thought he, he was. Than I thought he was. was. Absolutely. So you have you, you have basically two floor plays in, in Zeke and Gibson, and I would argue Swift too, but Swift is also a huge ceiling. Like we have a really good balance with those three, like you were saying. I mean, ETN would be awesome here too, but I don't know that you want to go fourth. I don't. Back. I don't know. There's you know Judy. Juju, Debo would be, I guess, the best wide receivers. There are the tight ends, Hawkinson and uh, Andrews. You know, if we really, I, I would to... go wide receiver for sure. I mean, I'm yeah. fine with any of those guys at the top. Um, I kind of like Judy because I think yeah, we're gonna go so we're gonna go so volume heavy at wide receiver. Like Judy isn't necessarily my favorite guy, but there is kind of this, you know, ups. We definitely have an upside case with Judy just becoming that that breakout star. And part of his upside case is just is is heavy volume is receptions. He wasn't very efficient last year, but he did draw targets at a high rate. I, I kind of compared him like his upside to being like sort of like Deontay Johnson, who wasn't very efficient at the catch point and beyond like yards per target type stats, but he was efficient in terms of drawing targets. Targets per out run were off the charts. Judy's were yeah. really good last year. And and when we already are sort of thin at receiver, it's nice to have a guy that could be a target dominant type. Yeah. So see, this is, and this is the perfect range. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to make a push for Debo here. I don't think yeah, I have to sell, sell you too hard on no. Debo um, from listening, from listening to you and your point about deep, like you just said, Debo is just such an easy, just such an easy pick, like assuming health, which is obviously what we have to do for everybody. It's just like, what could possibly go wrong that you're just like so mad you took Debo Samuel, you know what I mean? It's, it's just like DJ Moore. It's a, it's a, it's a lower upside, cheaper, DJ Moore kind of thing. It's like what like yeah. it's small, small, crazy efficient over yeah. 2.0 yards per out run. Both of his first two years in his career. There's very few receivers historically that have, that have done that and not been very good the rest of their career. Uh, the other thing is, you know, that they use him on these jet motion tip passes and he just gets literally free receptions. His catch rate is going to be massively higher than you could project for any other receiver. Cause he's getting these basically handoffs that in full PPR count as a catch. He had some games last year where he had like five of them in the same game. You're literally getting like five for 50 that are handoffs. You know, you're getting 10 PPR points and he's going to probably do more down the field this year as well on top of that. But the fact that he gets used in that way and is very good at it, he's very good with the ball in his hand. As Ness says, he's a bully, bully with the ball for sure. I mean, it's, he, he gets these free points on those tip passes that I, that that's what I keep thinking about is just like, it's like a it's a very strong floor. It's a very strong floor weekly. And like to your point, we pigeonhole guys based on what we see in small samples of how they're used, right? It usually plays a little bit more to to running backs, but look at look at Robbie Anderson last year. I know we've talked a little bit about the, well, we've talked a lot of it about the Panthers, but like we came into the year like Robbie's just this downfield flyer. You know, like he's a great deep threat. We think he's pretty good, but like he's pigeonholed into this role. And the next thing you know, he's the low A dot guy. He's the guy, you know, getting all these short to intermediate targets. And Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are the ones flying down the field. And Robbie was really good. We mm-hmm. see Debo just getting touch passes and basically being used like a glorified running back, which is actually not bad for fantasy. People are equating it to like being bad or something. But like we're assuming he can't 
go down the field? Like, what? Why are we assuming that this stud athlete who's a total freak can't, you know, catch the <clears throat> ball down the field? Absolutely. And I mean, he does make plays down the field. You wouldn't have over two yards per out run just on tip passes. Like the other guys, <laughs> the other guys that do that don't have, you know, huge efficiency numbers because you're not, you you know, you have to you have to generate big plays on your own basically. And he's he's shown an ability to do that. Right, Isaiah McKenzie isn't uh, exactly lighting up every analytic, and right. all he does is catch. Is all he does is catch uh, the tip passes. Right. All right, let's take a look really quick. See, you'll. I, I guess this is fairly normal, but like you know, we're into the you know pick eighty-two, you know, sub pick eighty, and Tom Brady and Stafford and those guys are the best quarterbacks left. The other thing I like about Debo is it keeps you open for uh, Trey Lance, which Lance. is obviously which is obviously my guy. Running back, we're not really worried about, but we've already pretty much hit this dead zone of of you know, yep. meh guys, and we're still sitting we're still sitting okay at at wide receiver. I am moving off of wide receiver so people don't see a couple of the guys that are there <laughs> because that would be perfect. And this again, I mean, I keep kind of saying the same thing, but this is why in these DK rooms, why you can experiment. Like even if you don't want, Gannon, oh. <laughs> oh god, that is uh. brutal. That was hard. Uh, I mean, I who interesting. We have Judy already, but Sutton is probably my pick here. I think he's fairly undervalued at this point. I like. I I, I kind of like Sutton too. One thing else, Mike Williams got a hip flexor today. Does that? Does that? Uh, you know, do those kind of injuries? I'm going to take Sutton, but do those kind of injuries scare you at all in the preseason or camp? A little bit, sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily want to be drafting. Um, injured players basically yeah. <laughs> like that that becomes kind of a challenge um although Sutton himself is not necessarily fully healthy true as he comes back but um yeah I mean Sutton I'm, I'm very confident is is good like he's better than Mike Williams basically yeah he doesn't have a better offensive situation not even close obviously you know worst quarterback all those things but Sutton has been very good so far in his career and um is it, yeah, I mean, we're kind of making a bet on the Broncos. We're making a bet on you know Bridgewater or Drew Locke being better than than we than I think they can be. But uh, you know, those are those are correlated bets. If we're betting on Judy, like I'm fine betting on Sutton too. And Same I team. mean, Teddy, I, I I don't think that we think that Teddy is good. I definitely don't think Drew Drew Locke is good. Teddy supported. And there goes so there goes Michael Williams. We got Miko Waddle. I mean, it'd be Fuller for me. I think. Yeah. Do you reach? Oh, He's see. not going to make it back in this room, I don't think. No, he isn't. Do you like Fuller over Waddle? I do. Okay. Um, let's take, let's take Fuller because it they it is slowing. The wide receiver room is slowing a little bit, so we still might be able to get one of these guys that we might have considered yeah. over Fuller. It's interesting. The, the ADP here is interesting. I mean, Waddle and Fuller are pretty close in other mm-hmm. formats, and certainly like Miko that far ahead of uh ahead of fuller and other formats i'm gonna answer this this question because i have yeah. zero issue i have absolutely zero issue doing with this and this and i actually i don't want to say i i prefer it but like i think people worry about that actually too much and it's like we've made our bet on the broncos T- teddy or drew lock don't have to be like uh, anything really that special in best ball for those guys to pay off. Like I said, I, people use it and I probably use it too much, but Teddy last year 
was like you didn't care about having him on your on your team. But DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, CMC, Mike Davis, uh, you know, even Dan Ar- what what or not Dan Arnold. Uh, uh, we were drafting Ian Thomas. Like all those guys were e- either drafted to be relevant or were extremely relevant with with Teddy Bridgewater, and they, you didn't care if you had if you had Teddy Bridgewater. And so I think people avoid it too much uh, when, in fact, like in best ball, again, we get to draft 20 players. If we, we make our bet on the Broncos, and if this bet is now right, like those two guys can A, both smash, or honestly, one of them can be a total smash, and the other one can just be okay, and that's still a huge win for us. Some of the stuff that we're correlating here, too, is like maybe they just get into uh, an abnormal number of shootouts. Maybe they, you know, they, they are playing in a division with Kansas City and the Chargers. Maybe they get into several games where they have a lot of pass volume because they're trailing and they get the right types of breaks in the second half where they they build multiple drives late and get those really big play volume spikes right and then and then you can have games where Sutton and Judy are both good at the same time those are some of the things that influence you know the end of season production at at the wide receiver position especially but um you know for any team for any player and so some of those things I think you know kind of get like overlooked a little bit but like that's some of the stuff that makes like some of the offenses vaguely interesting like a lot of people are saying the Chargers are going to regress in that way this year because they had a lot of that stuff go go their way last year yeah. um they were Herbert was very good too but like they, they had like some volume things bounce their way and anyway I think that's uh another thing to consider so yeah I was just looking at I was looking at underdog Fuller's Fuller goes before Cooks Hardman Devonta <laughs> Waddle by a lot I mean there has been at least lately but he's slipping a little because he's hurt but yeah I've been smashing him on on well I was I drive, I take him on underdog too but I've been smashing it so I was I was more than happy to take him because he's one of those where like I will take Will Fuller at anywhere in at this cost through his eight, you know what is it 110 his ADP I mean that's just absolutely absurd but I will just continue to take him because it's going to rise like it it's absolutely going to going to rise and then if it gets to a point where I don't want to take him anymore at at cost I can always back off but like I can't not, you know, once, once the ADP shoots up, it's like, I can't ever get him at this cost ever again. So I'm just right. gonna keep picking up. I think that makes perfect sense. How many receivers do we have at this point? Five, I believe. Okay. Yeah. We're not, we're not sitting perfect at receiver, but we're not sitting bad at all. No. Uh, especially for the three running back start to get five before sort of the, the tier break, in my opinion, we're, we're yep, kind of the after- tier breaks. Yeah, like the full, it's kind of like Mecole almost because, like, I mean, I like Hardman fine. Yeah, I mean, he I like is fine, but but he's like the, you know, he's still like a little bit of a dream about it, dream about it type case. Absolutely. So, since we do kind of hit this tier break, what pick is this? 106. So, we do have, you know, a lot of the upside quarterbacks available to us. Tight ends, a little gross. There's a player. That I have in mind that I'm going to okay, try and perfect. Say on. Perfect. Let's let what's this? Alex Berg. I, I listen. I tried to make. <laughs> oh, tried. that was the player, Marquise Brown. I mean, Bacon's yep. out now. Brown's got. I know. Rise too. I know he, yep, he's absolutely going to shoot up. That's who I was going to. Oh. Uh, that was that was going to be my guy too. So, oof. I mean Lance. We could go Lance if you wanted to. I, I, I think of... I, I think we just take Lance here. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's you know he's he's the fourth quarterback on on the board here, but you know we're kind of at a at a turn and we don't have. He's a been rising. 
Yeah, and we don't have a guy that we really love there anyway, so kind of just see what falls back to In some here. of my like recent uh, – definitely one of my recent main events, the, the draft last night that we did on Ship Chasing that was a, a higher stakes one, Lance is getting pushed up into like the Herbert tier, and then there's been like a, a gap of multiple rounds after he goes before people break into like Hertz and any of these other guys that are available. So I think people are starting to really push him up to a place where if you don't take him in this range here, you got to take him a little bit ahead of ADP basically. Yep, I think so too. And I think it's only going to rise. Like I'm going to continue to try to take Lance. Damn it. I was going to say Parker because we have a... Yeah. a, a, a Elijah a Morris doesn't sound too bad. And I, I don't mind him, right? His injury doesn't sound too bad. Like That's what I was going to ask. He's definitely my preference, but same thing with the injury. Are you okay? Yeah. You know, I'm take, comfortable taking, with that. It doesn't sound like Bateman. Bateman sounds like he's going to miss a significant chunk of the season. Maybe never really get back to, to full health. Morris doesn't sound like that, at least so far. Hopefully it doesn't get worse, but... He's already been lighting up camp so much. He's already sort of got his position established. Yeah. I'm not really worried about him missing a couple of weeks here in August if he gets back in time for week one and is in, in full health by then, which it seems like he might. Yeah, that is that is true. And so this is what I was going to bring up with Lance. Another reason why, yes, okay, there was Tannehill and what, Stafford or, or Hertz or whatever. I, first of all, I would argue that I'm not sure that those guys should even necessarily be going in front of, of Lance. But even if we set, set aside that, if – Lance gets named the week one starter. Anytime you're taking him anywhere near his ADP right now, it's a screaming value. It, he's going to, he's going to absolutely shoot up. Even if he, I'm not even saying that he should shoot way up, but he's going to like, you're just not going to be able to get him where he's going right now. If he gets named the week one starter. So same thing, I'm going to continue to keep hammering my, my Lance shares knowing that, you know, if I'm right about this, like, I'm again, I'm not going to be – same thing with Will Fuller. If I'm right about this, I'm not going to be able to get him at this cost. And you can always back off, right? I'm drafting yep. a ton of teams. I can always stop. You can always stop taking him, but you can't go back and retroactively take him. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think about how we should approach tight end from here on out? So – Probably three. Yeah, a def, definitely, definitely three. And my issue is that I don't – I mean – They all suck. Higby, yeah, Higby's whatever, I guess. Gasecki yeah. would, Gasecki, if he were to fall, would at least give us a, a possible Dolphins stack, right. which I, which I don't hate. But like you said, once you get past maybe Tunyon, yeah, I think maybe Tunyon, it's like it's what, is the, what is the scroll, difference? Will you scroll a little bit? I want to see. I don't know. I'm not familiar with these rankings enough to. Yep. So I like, imagine uh, Irv Smith must be gone for sure. Though. Yeah. I, I wondered yeah. if he was buried for some reason on here. Okay. He, Irv, he Irv's an interesting goes, one. I, I, I actually want to ask you about Irv because I buy the talent. I buy, um, you know, obviously Rudolph being gone. I'm not buying the Tyler Conklin nonsense. Right. Um, at least not, you know, I mean, Tyler Conklin's going to play, but I'm not. Well, I don't him. even think it was like nonsense. Like they ran a ton of two tight end sets. And what Zimmer said was, yeah. I don't expect Smith's role to grow. I expect Conklin's to. What he's saying is Smith already played a ton of snaps last year. If you go dig into the snap shares, he did. What's going to happen is Tyler Conklin's going to go from a 30% snap share guy up to like a 65% snap share guy. He's, right. He didn't really say anything that wasn't true. We we kind of were <laughs> expecting that. They're going to run two tight end sets, and they're going to ask Conklin to be the other tight end. What Smith benefits from is rather than competing for these short area targets with, with Kyle Rudolph, this other tight end who's a fairly accomplished pass catcher throughout his career, he's now competing with Tyler Conklin. That is a, a, a boost for him in terms of yeah. potential target share and things like that. Conklin is not the – the pass catcher that Rudolph is. So uh, there's certainly some, some upside there. Uh, you have 
Thielen's 14 TDs last year on like seven, 70 something catches that are probably going to regress. You have Dalvin Cook leading the NFL and carries from the three yard line or closer. He had 20 last year, which is a lot of that is just the Vikings getting tackled inside the three at, at a higher rate than a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff is highly variable. My point is there are a couple players from the Vikings that could lose some short area touchdowns. Irv Smith makes a lot of sense as a guy that some of that could shift over towards. Like I, I, I like him. He's one of my favorite mid round tight ends that could be a, you know, a pretty solid value this year. Right. And and I think people misconstrue the fact that he probably doesn't have the, you know, whatever top five season in it, but all, you, who does in this? Like once you get to a certain point, like none of these guys are going to be, you know, I mean, I guess maybe I like to dream about it with Cole Komet or something like that, but like, I mean, yeah. really, what, what are we really talking about here? So a okay, bunch of them quick. went off. What do we have a yeah. receiver? Yeah, so this is definitely where okay. it's it's getting is pretty QB. I mean, we could just go with Komet. I like Komet. I know it's it's early for him, or we can go with Gronk. Like, what, what do you think? Of, what do you, I was going to say Everett or Johnny. What do you think about one of? Oh, John is a good pick. John is a good okay. pick. I'll take him for sure. Especially just like I'm sure Henry will be fine. But if he's not, yeah. then John is definitely, you know, I like John in basketball too. He's an explosive player. Like he's yeah. the kind of guy that's going to have some TDs. He's going to, you know, probably have some big plays. He might do some creative stuff with him, you know, like the Titans did using him in the backfield. If he has some big plays, um, you know, it's great for basketball. Uh, they already have. I don't know if you saw the clip that was going around Twitter. He's get he's he's getting sweeps in the backfield yeah, already. I'm sure he is. He's like a really good running back. He had a couple what, long runs. What people didn't know is they signed Johnu to play running back. Uh, R.I.P. Right. Damian Harris. Uh, right. Hunter Henry was going to play tight end, and Johnu is going to play in the back. He's their most explosive back for sure. He's, he's their most explosive player. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, and speaking of, there goes Jacoby. Okay, can I can I sell you on Tua here as our second quarterback and be done? Sure. So, I as draft season has gone on, I've gotten more more and more bullish on Tua, and I feel like it's it's way too much negative being drawn from the little small sample that we had last year on how he played. And every day we get, I mean, even I think it was today, Chan Gailey came out and basically said, like in in, in not so many words, like. I can't believe we went went to Tua and like we were winning. We screwed our season by going to Tua. We built the offense around Fitz, which is what some people had already been saying this this offseason. And Tua was lost. It's like he got no reps and we just decided midway through the year. You know, he didn't decide. The, yeah. the front office decided, OK, we're just going to start Tua. And every report you see, again, it's training camp. It, that, that is what it is. It's a lot of positive reports. But it's just like Tua looks amazing. And then you compound the fact with they brought in Will Fuller, who is probably and, and we happen to have Will Fuller, obviously, and a guy like Will Fuller and a guy like Jalen Waddle just like unlock the ceiling of a quarterback. Right. And like we go back not that far. And Tua was, you know, you're a much better prospect evaluator than me. But when Tua was lighting it up at Alabama before he yeah. hit his hip, he was like like we were like, oh, my guaranteed God, number one. It was tank for yep. Tua. He was the locked in number one until Burrow had the greatest college season of all time and Tua got hurt. And and Tua, even despite his injury, was a good enough prospect prior – he had done enough prior to his injury that despite his injury, despite not doing any workouts all offseason, he still was right there and went fifth overall, right? Like the, the evaluators were, were still very high on him at the NFL level. So, yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, I think so, he's a good a good play. 
And one thing I we're disagree streaming. with. We're not going to get perfect values across the board. Get out of here. A, a, that, a that's that's not going to happen. Uh, if you've streamed enough drafts, you know that nobody ever lets you get get your guys. And the other thing is uh, DraftKings is absurd with the quarterbacks. I think I – and was I telling you earlier? I don't know. I lose I lose track of all my conversations. But the, the quarterbacks, they're going to go, and they're going to go really, really fast. Um, and so I, I'm willing to take, and we didn't take him that far ahead of ADP, like not even no, 10 picks. Perfectly fine yeah. pick, yeah. uh, in terms of a, a structure, too. Like, yeah, you're not supposed to reach for sacks and everything, but we needed another quarterback, too. And we didn't, we're, we're pretty flat at other positions, we didn't have anything else glaring at us. And it made perfect sense, yep. And I, and I also like it, like you said, structurally, because it'll so we're done at quarterback. You know, we're, we're, we're not worrying about running back till till super late. And at least we got a tight end that we feel good about. We know we're taking three tight ends. So now it's just like, dude, whoever the best wide receivers are, and maybe if we want to detour to, to tight end, if it makes sense. And now now we're, we're just like set up structurally, even though we kind of dug the wide receiver. Right. right. And one of the things that happens when you worry too much about ADP and value and all that stuff is you're like, I can wait on all three of these players till next round. But next round, you can only take one of those players. Yeah, and so like if we want to uh, in this build, and it's not like we had other guys that were targeting, but I'm just saying this isn't this is a mistake that definitely happens. Um, we have no like we thought the other positions were fairly flat to the next round, and whether we took a you know say a receiver last round and then tried to get to a here or vice versa uh, doesn't really affect our build all that much. We're, we're going to still you know two was a player we didn't want to miss on. It's I don't know. I, I think reaches like that are perfectly fine. I think people worry too much about ADP value sometimes with stuff like that. Yep, a hundred percent. And like what you said about you know, kind of like a pocket of a draft and a totally flat tier. It was like we didn't miss out on anybody that we like really cared about at the at the next pick. But if we missed out on Tua, there's a tier break at that. Yep. At that at that quarterback, right? You lose all the upside options, and now it's like you know, an unstacked Kirk Cousins or an unstacked Matt Ryan, which I, I just don't want any any part of that. Okay, so we're we're up and Everett is still here. I think Everett's a reasonable pick. I'm not like super high on him, but I think he's a, a pretty solid pick here. Or Gabe, I guess, would be the other. Gabe or, I mean, Callaway's sort of interesting right now too because we don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. He looks like their lead receiver, but. Do you um, want to try Everett and then see if Gabe or Callaway come yeah, back? Yeah, let's do that. That makes sense. And now that Komet also gives us go. We, we, we did lose Komet, but I think yeah. Everett and Komet are, are sort of a wash is, is kind of the point. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Komet more, but I'm very comfortable, especially, again, in best ball. All of Russell Wilson's tight ends in the past have had these splash touchdown, high touchdown rates, splash games that are going to work out fine. Like one of my favorite things to do in DFS when I stack Wilson is to throw his t- t- uh, tight end on there. I was throwing Greg Olson on these, you know, Wilson triple <laughs> stacks last year. I mean, it worked a couple times. Like he has like ten points, and you're like, "All right, tight end sucks," and you got ten points out of your tight end. Remember all the Will Disley weeks? Oh, all the yeah, Will man. Disley, Will you know, Disley. like six for sixty and a touchdown every week. Jacob Hollister. Runs- I mean, yeah. like he's all these guys. Like Gerald Everett's going to catch some TVs for sure. So did both those guys go? Gabe and yeah, so Callaway? Of course, of course, because we can't, we can't, we can't talk oh, about them. Um, I mean, I don't exactly love Aguilar, Crowder. I know we're getting into the old guys. Yeah here well what do you think about uh somebody like crowder i mean I we already have more I, i'm i'm fine we're, we're low on the clock i i, I let's this just will be the first, first and only time that i've drafted uh jameson crowder this year we got an old guy we're pretty young we're pretty young here we're pretty young here that's not too bad what uh what's 
I mean, we, we probably want to go three tight ends, right? So what are we going to do at running back? Are we just going to go three RB? Well, I think – so I, we do have – bye week Twitter will come after us. Yeah. Because Gibson and Swift have the have the same bye. But right. I do think it keeps us open to that. But it also – I would probably go four. Just tack on yeah. one more guy. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that, that might have been the pick there instead of Crowder if yeah. we, we had a little more time. It's pretty bad. That's the other thing with streaming because we're sitting here talking. We're not like planning our picks. You guys are <laughs> yeah. out here planning your picks. I mean, come on. <laughs> it running back is 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 pretty bad. Well, there's some guys there. I'm not I'm not out on uh, what we can do here with our our next chances. Who who do we have at tight end that we could line up as a third tight? I mean, are you? Um, again, I'm not I'm not great on the builds, but if if we go four running back, can we go three tight end and two QB? Yeah. Can we go three tight end? Yeah. Yes. So like Hooper and Ertz are, I mean, we sort of have our our kind of splash week upside plays in Johnu and Everett. I would be looking at guys like Hooper and Ertz who are boring target getters mm-hmm. that would fill out this three three tight end build pretty nicely. I like that. I God, I can't believe it, but like I was so out on Ertz on the Ertz thing, and Pat won't stop talking about it. Yep, and he started to sell me a little, and I was still out on it. And then I did a show with Davis this morning. And Davis is pitching me on it, and I'm like, "All right, uh, you guys are making making a little bit of sense here." And now I've done like three drafts today, and I took Ertz twice. I took Ertz twice into it. <laughs> All right. So here's another thing that that you'll see on on DraftKings again. That's very different from um, from Underdog. Is like I know we kind of started to get run out of wide receiver, but there's just this one huge massive tier after like, um, let's call it Jacoby Myers. After Jacoby Myers, it's like nothing but everybody is. Yes. This. And, yeah. and, and we like a lot of those guys, right? Like pick, pick your, pick your upside later round guy. And so we've set ourselves up to just like start picking these dudes off, you know? Yep. All right, pick 178 is our next next pick, and I it is absolutely hilarious that David Johnson is still on the board. I mean, that's so funny. I <laughs> I I want nothing to do with that pick, and at the same time, I don't know how I could convince you to take the running back that I want to take him over David Johnson. I think that would be a mistake. So somebody I mean, take David Johnson so we can take I, the guy please. that I wanted to take. <laughs> What the hell? He's gonna go sixty plus picks after ADP. That's great. There's, there's. So James, James White. White would have been one of the ones that I, I think a, uh, a good pass catching back would have made a lot of sense here. Yep. The other, the other one is the obvious one that they're talking about in the chat. Um, but yep. I mean, I, I think you take David and Geo went. Geo is the pick that I really wanted. So we're taking David Johnson. And oh my god, this is hilarious. This is the. This, this is, is not so what I anticipated happening. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like one of pizza randomizers. Like we got forced into taking an old running back. <laughs> yeah. Don't complete your prompt or take day or take yeah. the, the take the. How old is DJ? I don't even know. Oh, Super man. old running back on maybe the worst team in the history of the NFL. But like he closed the season well last year. There is some cases for him i mean he's gonna play he's gonna yeah. be their lead back it's not like you know mark ingram's just as old as him it's not like philip Lindsay's gonna completely take over the backfield or anything it's it's weird I, I mean we could grab the tight end or we could go with a young receiver what do you like more 
I think I prefer Amonra. So I like Diami here over over oh, him oh, quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. Let's, let's, let's Diami, especially because again, same thing. He has a 200 ADP on, which is absolutely laughable. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he's going to go and, higher here. Yeah. He goes in like the 13th or 14th round on, on, under, on underdog now. And, uh, and again, in this, in this room, there's absolutely no way he makes it. I don't think people are going to just miss on that. As soon as they, as soon as you can see his name on the screen, he's he's sure to go pretty quick. (laughs) But that's what you see. Like in this, on this platform, you can see, you get, you can get Diami super late. There's a bunch of other guys that I'm sure we'll talk about as, as this is going, as our picks approach that are these late round, you know, they're young receivers late super super late round picks that make this structure more viable like you you're never going to be able to attach diami onto an underdog team when you go robust because he's not going in the 17th round you know it's just such a different game yep and so i don't know if Ertz will get back to us especially because we talked about him but um cooper just went but But, you can't attack I, i what i do like about um three tight end builds is I do think you can take kind of three swings, you know? So yeah. if you, you know, I, I like like Mo Alley Cox, or if we want to take Donald Parham, sure. OJ Howard got guy, guys like that. Yeah. It's not a position where if you take a couple of, you know, four point weeks, you're buried. Cause <laughs> there's weeks where there's only a few tight ends that even score 10 points, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. Like, there might One be of some them. weeks where like three guys in the whole league score 10 points. Right, and one of them's a first-round pick. <laughs> right. Let's take a look at wide receiver. Oh my God! So I'm not naming any any names, but you know, you you've been the uh, the the anti-Van Jefferson guy, and I I agree. Uh, I'm not a Van Jefferson guy, but there was somebody that put out today on Twitter that I almost tagged you, but I didn't want to like start ruffling anybody's feathers that called van jefferson like the sleeper the sleeper pick of 20 2021 i mean it's so funny i've i've been hammering van jefferson all he has to do is catch like three touchdowns and people are gonna be like you were wrong like like what was the point of me hammering against van jefferson but um i do think he's a bad pick what do you think about this I have a lot of of Mo Ali Cox mostly earlier on, and then I he rose up a little bit. And now he's he's back down to. They, last they use multiple tight ends. I think the rookie Kylan Granson will get some opportunity. Last year it wound up being sort of Trey Burton got the most, but like Doyle's mm-hmm. going to catch some passes. I think they're going to use Granson. I think they're going to use Mo Ali Cox. I don't think he's going to have like a full workload or anything. They're going to rotate, but I he's going to be a, you know efficient and he's fine. Like he's a fine yeah. pick for sure. So wait, back to receiver. There was a couple there that. Earth yeah. just went one pick ahead of us. That's amazing. Because Zacchaeus, I think, is a better play than Russell Gage by a lot because you can get him late, and he's probably going to start on the outside. He actually, yep. I think, has some upside. Um, Do you I, like yeah. him or DPJ? DPJ is the only other one on this list. I would take DPJ too if you want to, if you prefer. Let's him. do that. Let's do. Let's do that. Okay. I mean, one of these guys is going to take DPJ now, and that's okay. But he was the uh, other one that I was looking at. Though DPJ is a a good pick at this point too. I, I just he's, think if Beckham is healthy, if uh, Landry is healthy, those guys dominate targets. DPJ only yeah. got like twenty targets last year. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if that's right. Or if I was thinking of a different player, I, I literally think it was twenty targets. Even, I mean, he's good. He's going to be good. He's going to get some deep threat, uh, some deep shots. Yeah, he had twenty targets, fourteen catches last year. Very efficient, over fifteen yards per target. He hit on some long touchdowns. But mm-hmm. my point is, they run a lot of two tight end sets. If you have Landry and Odo Beckham and two tight ends and a running back. 
and they run a lot of two running back sets because they get Hunt yeah. and Chubb on the field at the same time. There's not a lot of sets where they bring in a third receiver, and they kind of have two dudes that are their two receivers. So I, I don't know. I don't know if his role is going to be quite what we're kind of hoping for. We're on the clock here. Do you want to grab Ooh, it? This is let's uh, wide receivers pretty bad. Do you want to grab one of these tight ends? Yeah, or look, running we can back? do or, Mo Alley if you let's or, do Mo Alley. Let's do Mo Alley. I assume yeah. he's still here. Yeah, let's do Mo. Alley. I guess we're and then let's let, we can we can yeah because he won't last again now that we already yeah we brought him up. We can look at running back really quick in, in case we want to detour to running back. Um, I have gotten. Again, now we'll talk about them and they'll go, but that's okay. I have gotten a little bit back more on – I keep going back and forth on these Chargers guys. I've gotten a little bit more back on Justin Jackson. I just know no matter what I do, I'll probably be wrong. But like you you made the point, like Swift is Eckler of the Lions. But that inherently means that there's somebody else that is right yeah. the, the the other guy. And we know that that's true for the Chargers, but those guys like barely gonna be There's going to be value in the Chargers backfield from – from draft season. The only reason these guys are going so late is we don't know who it is, but it's it's an absolutely smart uh smart one to target, smart, smart backfield to target, whether it's Jackson or Kelly or Roundtree, whoever your your flavor is. I like Jackson. You're thinking of a fifth running back here. What where are we at? Uh oh no, we took oh my god. I never take David Johnson and now I mean there goes Justin Jackson anyway. Um I was literally thinking that we still only had that we still only had three backs. feet. Well, we really do. I mean, the fourth one is David Johnson. So right, that's true. <laughs> so we have let's we have two let's just start adding some wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. we got uh, it's two, it's two wide receivers. So we'll be two, four, eleven, three. I love it. I love eleven receivers. That's beautiful. Um, I mean, like you want to just like start scrolling through and name it like yeah. I, Adam Humphreys is vaguely interesting. I don't know. We took yeah. Diami. Uh, Fulgham on here. Humphreys. Fulgham's going to get beat out by Quez Watkins, but that's okay. Quite. We can put Quez Watkins on. Quez the Watkins too. is dope. He's, he's down here. I took him once too, because. Uh, oh, Tyron Johnson. I like Tyron yeah. Johnson. Uh, These guys are all going to go. It's going to be so funny. I know we're gonna add like twenty guys to the queue, and they're somehow all gonna go. They're all gonna go. I mean, these are. This isn't like the the best. Uh, I mean, Eskridge is fine for me for sure. Yeah, Eskridge. What do you think about Anthony Miller now that he's in? Yeah, he's in, vaguely he's interesting for sure. Humphreys just went. We're gonna start. Our queue is gonna be empty by the time <laughs> we fill it up. Um, yeah, I think Miller's vaguely interesting. Um, yeah, the young Lions guys are interesting. Cephas and St. Brown already went, but I, I don't mind yeah. betting on Cephas a little bit in these really late rounds. There's Watkins. Watkins is the, the super sleeper. Colin Johnson's. Colin yeah. Johnson. I mean, Tylen Wallace is interesting now with uh, Bateman with, Yeah, yeah. Wallace was a really good prospect that no one's talking about and had, no one has talked about because his landing spot was, A, terrible on a, on a run first team, and B, behind another really <laughs> – interesting rookie receiver that anyone who would talk about Tylen Wallace analytics type people like even more because Rashad Bateman was an analytics darling himself. So, um, but now that he's hurt, there's an opportunity for Wallace to play a little bit in his rookie year. Yeah, he was, if anybody played college football DFS, yeah, Tylen Wallace was just an absolute smash like every week. All right. Um, I'm gonna say Tyron Johnson here. That's where I'm at too. I like Tyron a lot. He was really efficient last year. And, and again, Mike I don't Williams, think Josh Palmer is very good personally. And, and Mike Williams is already banged up. He's yeah. older. 
they didn't re, they didn't uh, you know re up his 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 contract. You know, there, there's I, I kind of I kind of like Mike Williams this year, just like as an as an upside play in an offense that yeah you know click, like that we like that you know there's but there's it's never volume. he's never been a target dominant player, and no. they lost Henry. Like there is an available role here for the third receiver. That's why people are talking about Josh Palmer, but I think it might be Tyron Johnson. He was good last year, and he's yep. bigger and athletic. Like he's a he was like really efficient on the on the limited work he got last year. Another Oklahoma State guy. Same thing. They just they just churn out the 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 monsters on the outside. He's always. He, I didn't know that actually. That's awesome. He played. He played with. Uh, I think he played with Talon Walls for a year. Okay, back on the clock. Last pick. Mine would be Colin Johnson. I think here out of these guys. But do you have a preference? I don't. I don't. Any of these guys are fine by me. Let's take Colin Johnson. He's become my new pet. My new. My new. Pet pick. I was originally only taking him when I would take Lawrence in the 18th. Shout out Peter Overzet. He actually put me on Colin Johnson. I think it was a super sharp take. And at just I know it's early. We haven't even had the preseason yet. But every day goes by, and Colin Johnson is still running with the ones. And there's more and more positive reports. There's more and more negative reports about DJ Chark. And like yeah. I know I know we like DJ Chark, and and he's he's fine. But like Urban Meyer, I, I'm not trusting Urban Meyer as far as I can throw him. He has no allegiance to DJ Chark. There's absolutely right. no reason that that Colin Johnson can't just take his job. And it's interesting that he's specifically called out Chark for not being physical enough. And Johnson six six two twenty two. Chark six four and sub two hundred. He's not much shorter, but a lot thinner. Like Johnson's this bigger receiver that was pretty good at Texas. I mean, he had a pretty mm-hmm. decent prospect profile himself. So. Yeah, I like it. I like it. He could he could definitely be used as sort of a jump ball receiver in the in the red zone. So, um, I think what I lo- what I love about what we did, you know, when you're just going to hammer these these wide receivers, I think people fall in love with like the safety picks. Like, okay, this guy's going to have a role, and that, like you know, uh, give me the. And I, I actually like Adam Humphreys, so he's not the best example, but you know, give me the Anthony Adam Humphreys. Miller. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Anthony Miller's another example. Just give me the guy that I hope can get me, you know, four for 50 in a week. But like what you really want is to find Chase Claypool here. Right. You know what I mean? That That's what turns your robust team into a total smash because you don't want to string together 10 point weeks out of these guys. You want to find Chase Claypool and T Higgins here. And now you have, you know, fourth round wide receivers with your top three. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, guys. that's what like, you know, to a smaller degree, but that's what Tyron Johnson could be, right? That's what Colin yep. Johnson could be if there's some injuries there. Um, it's not really Zacchaeus, I don't think. Um, Zacchaeus is more of a volume play in that regard, but Diami definitely is that too. And we got Crowder. I mean, we have so much receiver depth. This seems it's, pretty sick. It's a it and and but it just like goes to show you, right? Like we talk about wide receivers and stuff all all, all the time, and that was kind of why I actually wanted to a because it's. It's a funny bit because people, uh, you know, we're the wide receiver people, and they thought we were going to come in and just take like nine straight straight wide receivers, and we start running back, running back, running. Well, back. And we we might have in a certain setting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we also got ran out of the. We, yeah. like, we kind of got ba- backed in backed into the corner. But like, I like to build some different kind of teams, and then you see, like, we still went wide receiver heavy, right? Like, just because we didn't start wide right. receiver, and then we took the right archetypes of guys that 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 
fit all this, right? DJ Moore, upside bet. Jerry Judy, upside bet. Debo is a little bit of both. Sutton, upside bet. Will Fuller, upside bet. And then you stacked Lance and you stacked Tua, right? And you you built out your, your tight ends with a combination of kind of upside floor, whatever. And so I think it's just like a, a really, really well-built team. And we did kind of, you know, you brought up like uh, people misconstrue zigging and zagging, but we did also like still read the room. I thought it was a I thought I, I was I was kind of excited when we we're like, okay, let's take Zeke. And we're like, oh God, I really don't want to don't want to take Zeke, but I like excited to see how it would turn out with all these kind of flyer wide receivers. Yeah. I mean I, I don't I don't love Zeke there. Um I think he's the reason we did it, obviously, was that the top three tight uh receivers are gone and we're sitting there at the end of the first round and it's like, okay, we can take two pretty good running backs. And then at the end of the third, Swift just shouldn't be there. So we're in this like position where <laughs> we're in this position where, where we can build with three really good running backs to start. The, the interesting thing about the Zeke pick is everyone is on the Dallas passing game, but Dak does have some legitimate shoulder concerns going in for another MRI, all these things. Um, we have none of the Dallas passing game on this team, but we do have Zeke. Like we have sort of this leverage build where mm-hmm. if, you know, what if they're not a really pass-heavy team? What if Dak's shoulder injury legitimately limits their passing volume for half the season? I mean, that's – I don't think out of the equation at this point right now. Yeah. Um, and so then then you get into, well, okay, they're, are they running a ton? Are they using both Zeke and Pollard and running a lot? Like, wouldn't be that crazy. They were that team four four years ago, three years ago. So that's such <laughs> the a good, Teddy Carter bit. <laughs> that is such a that is such a, a, good, a good comment. Yeah. Um, Let's see, sauce, sauce, my team. Is your is your name run run the bases? Yeah, run the bases. All right. Ah, yes. A zero RB. Shock, zero shock. RB team. Well, Kelsey, AJ Brown, CD Lamb. I mean, I'm not gonna sauce that too much. That's a good start. Mm, nope. Uh, I w- I will say, um, like you guys took Damian Harris last night. I really don't like Damian Harris right, yeah. at cost at cost on a full PPR site um i know i kind of you know sometimes contradict myself because i actually like some of the guys where like people write off what they can and cannot do in terms of pass catching or right they, they, the aj Dillon is a great example of that people write off like oh he didn't catch passes in college so he can't catch passes in the nfl and i don't believe that to be true damien harris however i think has a lot tougher paths yep. to realizing that upside it's not that it's not possible it's that you're you're paying for this, you know, rushing, you know, in between the twenties carries. There's cam concerns at the goal line, and so I, I'm okay buying. Well, and him. just look at the look at the history of the two teams. the The Patriots have always used a pass catching back. They still have James White on the roster. They've always had a guy like that. Like since the beginning of Belichick's tenure, it was Kevin Falk. Like they always had a dude like that. Um, and they've yeah. had these backs like Harris that they didn't throw the ball to, and they didn't throw the ball to him last year. It could happen, but that would really be breaking a mold. Meanwhile, Green Bay, most all of Rodgers' running backs over, and it's a different coaching staff, but over the years have caught at least some passes, even bigger backs. Eddie Lacy was a better receiver with Green Bay than probably should have been in terms of fantasy value. Like he was catching some passes. They had Cedric Benson for a period, a bigger back that was catching some passes. Um, mm. Especially in scenarios where like Aaron Jones maybe misses some time, I think AJ Dillon is like a workhorse. And yeah. people are saying, oh, Kylan Hill is going to get the receiving. Maybe he's a seventh round rookie. I honestly think AJ Dillon might just play every down. They drafted him in the second round last year and they like him. Another, there's camp reports coming out like 
There, there, you actually haven't heard a blurb about, oh, A.J. Dillon looks good running between the tackles, but you've actually heard, oh, A.J. Dillon with a nice over-the-shoulder catch down the sideline yes, or Yes, they're whatever. talking about the wheel route a ton <laughs> for him. They're talking about um, him not playing in the preseason, which is everything you want to hear if you're an A.J. Dillon stand, that, like, this dude's not going to – this dude's role's locked up. He's not. He doesn't have to earn no. anything. He's going to play in the, in the regular season for sure. They're, they're not yeah. risking hurting him. And Aaron Jones is already hurt. Aaron yeah. Jones is, is is hurt already. So yeah, I mean the um, I just get more bullish on AJ Dillon. Here's what I'll say: run the bases. I bet I I would guarantee you you would want some kind of two v two off of Lamar. There's no way for you to know obviously that Dak fell to whatever pick that was seventh round or or whatever it was. I know that there's no way for you to know, but I just don't think you want to be taking Lamar and and Dak on the same yeah. team. You know, two top seven round quarterbacks. Other than that, I mean, structurally, it looks really good. I would still have Bateman. A, I still have a real. I I would be knocking. Bateman is not in Michael Thomas territory. Like I'm literally not drafting Michael Thomas. I don't. I don't even see that there's a payoff. Um, but Bate, he's not in that territory. But I'm knocking him down like a lot because we just don't even know when he's going to get and back. What his role so, is going to be when he gets right. back. This is my concern. Is we already didn't really necessarily know what his role and all those things. But we also uh, know that it's a low volume pass offense. Like, there's a lot of scenarios now where Bateman doesn't get 50 targets in his rookie year. I mean, he comes back, he works in slow. I, the, the, you you have to real. I, I think he's a really really good player, and I think he's going to prove to be a really good player. But I don't think he's going to have a good rookie year. I think this is like almost takes him off my board personally. I'm a little more firm on that than than you. It sounds like, but yeah, it, it's already sounding like some of the people that are, that are like you know the Twitter doctors are saying like. They're saying they're hoping they can get back in September. People are saying this type of injury, it's probably going to be October. Uh, and yeah. what's he going to be at the, as a rookie, going to be at the bottom of that timeline and then play a full sled of snaps the first week that he's healthy? I don't think that's the way it's going to work out. It's going to take some time for him to build up. And they're not going to throw enough. So he's going to, yeah. you're going to yeah, have, have some, hopefully, some late season spike weeks. And that's about all you're getting out of him. And it was always a, just a bet on talent already right and now you just pack on so many more concerns like right. we already had concerns like we all like him as a as a player obviously but there was there was already concerns about like can he you know can I he pay off a what a 10th yeah, or 11th round exactly adp like is he, he he might have been the third in the pecking order in a low volume passing offense already and now you have all these other concerns so i yeah. I, I i totally agree and um, you have the only re-injury you know you know all the things that can happen it's it's really unfortunate but um yeah. i i would yeah. not I, i'm not i shouldn't say he's like undraftable certainly when you're looking at the receivers we were taking in the last round he, you you would take a stab on him back there yeah. but where he's still going he has not fallen far enough for me yep i agree and the only other thing i, I would add is you t- I, I mean I, I there's in a vacuum I say in a vacuum, there's only like, there's no issue with, with, I'm drafting a shit ton of Dak right now. I'm buying the discount. Like if he's hurt, then so be it. I'll just eat the L on those teams, but I wouldn't do it just because I have those guys. We kind of already talked about the stacking without the quarterback thing. You have Lamar. If, if you need Dak score that bad over Lamar's, then Lamar was a bad pick. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you can still benefit from the Cowboys team, even without taking Dak um on this team so i love that I, he said appreciate the the tylen wall shout out he also took parham justin jackson <laughs> brown my guy darrington evans this guy uh, was did, watching the stream i think <laughs> i like i like latavius i like rondale you yeah, mentioned drafted, rondale in the in the beginning i was hoping he'd yeah. slip a little bit yeah, yeah. this is yeah, a 
I mean, I think he knows the room. I don't know if he knows me very well, but I love AJ <laughs> Dillon, AJ Brown, CD Lamb. This guy knows what he's doing. He knows yeah, how to get right. a, a team, a, a couple of streamers to, to like his team. Exactly. He took two quarterbacks in the first seven rounds, and we're still like, yeah, I still kind of like this team because yeah. it's all the all the players that I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Plus, then you said we've been drafting a lot together. Uh, I've been just – it's uh, absurd how many drafts I've been doing on DraftKings. So we got Justin Fields, Dalvin, Jefferson. Uh, what do you think about taking Jefferson at that 2-3 turn when you have, have Dalvin? Do you have any concerns on that? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would do it. I, I, and it's not, it's not that I don't think it can work out. It's just purely from the sense that I like Jefferson a ton, but I don't see him as like massively different than the other receiver bets that you can make there. And I think part of his upside scenarios are like, yeah, like what if Dalvin Cook misses time and they go very pass heavy? Dalvin's whole, the whole thing with Dalvin is like they're going to continue to be very run heavy. He was such a workload guy last year. I mean, he's very good too, but he has a very valuable workload. Um, that might be tough to match, and you're you're banking on that again. You're banking on them being very run heavy again. All those things. So Jefferson's path to success in in that, in, a, in an offense that looks like it did last year, where Dalvin's very successful, is really high efficiency again, which he had last year. It's it's, it's a thinner thinner path. I mean, you you probably want them to pass a little bit more. So yeah, I think they're kind of pulling different directions a little bit. And since the other bets are sort of similar to Jefferson, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd go another direction. That's what I think. I think, um, you know, if Jefferson, obviously you're not disappointed if Jefferson has the season that, that he has last year, but I actually think, you know, if Dalvin is also going to have the season that he had last year, I don't, I don't think we quite comprehend exactly how thin you're drawing on a, a second round wider. You know, there's really not that many of those scenarios yeah. and there's definitely not that many of those scenarios in a run first offense with Kirk cousins at, at, at quarterback, you know, there's just a lot of ways that, and like you said, they can both pay off. I don't know how many scenarios they pay off together at, yeah, it, it's funny. I made the same point last year with Henry and A.J. Brown. It's what it completely makes me think of because I thought a lot of A.J. Brown's upside scenarios were like, hey, Henry misses some time and they go pass heavier, and they did both pay off, frankly. I mean, Henry wasn't an amazing pick in the middle of the first round. I, I know a lot of people don't don't believe that, but in, in full PPR, it really wasn't that great, even though he ran two thousand for 2,000 yards, but he wasn't bad by any means. And in a concentrated offense like the Titans were, it can work. And and the Vikings are concentrated. It can work. But I, I just would prefer a similar bet to Jefferson because there are other options yeah. usually. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if DK was sitting there or if, if A.J. Brown was sitting there. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact draft order, but like those guys to me are right next to Jefferson and they go next to Jefferson. I would take either of them over him if I have Cook. Yep, uh, I agree. So let's see. Five running backs with Dalvin and Henderson. Sermon, you know, I like Trey Sermon fine, but – so this is where I probably differ from a lot of the market. When I hammered, you know, two top four, top five round running backs, I don't want to mix in Trey Sermon. No, uh, that's a receiver you know, pick. Yep, that's like that's like you know. And I Waller. know that you have yeah. Waller early too here. I mean, you, you got to take a receiver there. And and you know the difference. Someone might say, uh, "Well, you took three er, er, early running backs, but Trey Sermon is not DeAndre Swift." As much as I like, as much as I like Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, like you talked about, DeAndre Swift is a guy that could be going you know, top three or God forbid something happens to CMC. DeAndre Swift is in the Antonio Gibson category of, are we talking about the 101 next year? And and like I said, as much as you love Trey Sermon, that's not that's not that. So let's just ride the Dalvin Cook and Daryl Henderson scores and just keep hammering wide receiver. Because you were a little bit similar to us, not quite the same, but a little bit similar to us at wide receiver. I mean, receiver. very like, similar, really, if you, if you consider the Waller yeah. pick. I mean, they had three early yeah. early picks that were non-receivers, kind of in the same boat. 
And uh, yep. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like Mooney as the the wide receiver four. That's the that's where it sucks. Yep. The the sermon pick would have been better served as a receiver. But you did structurally pretty similar, yeah. pretty good, right? Took eleven wide. Yeah. You, you realized it. You realized that you took those three. You know, you you really took a bunch of detours just like we did early on, and so you just hammered wide receiver. And I think say what it, I think also the player selection, like Brian Edwards, I, I do think is interesting. Nico Collins, I think, is mm-hmm. a good example of exactly like if you want to say who's the rookie this year that could be the Chase Claypool come out of nowhere, it's probably Nico Collins. Athletically, yep. very very good athletically. Uh, Byron Pringle could have a better role and be sort of what everyone wants Michael Harbin to be. That, that you know, Pringle could have a better role than expected. Denzel Mims, I mean, is going very, very late because he's not running with the ones. A lot happens in every NFL season. I don't think the most likely outcome is that Denzel Mims is a fourth receiver for the entire NFL season. I just like, I mean, look at Elijah Moore just got banged up today. We don't know what's going to happen. They're going to. They talked about him being sick and all these things. It's been a bad offseason for Mims, but the fact that you can get a second-year player with his athleticism where you can get him now, I mean, that's another dude that could be this year. Probably not this year's Claypool, but, like, he did have a ton of volume last year. You, you shouldn't yep. be able to make that where you make it. I mean, th- these are all good picks. Yeah, I've got I've gotten back into Mims a little a little bit more. I got luck boxed. Well, I don't want to say a luck box because I have a shit ton of Elijah Moore, but like I started to buy back into a little bit of because I mean we're talking about like twenty round drafts and he's a twentieth round pick. It's like <laughs> okay, yeah. I, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I wasn't buying him before actually when he was going like a, a lot earlier than that, and now I'm like well yeah now I'm gonna buy back in, and then of course you get the Elijah injury, dude. I know they restructured Crowder, but like this is a bad team. Who's to say they don't trade Crowder? in the middle yeah. in the middle of the season you know so there, there's a lot more pass i think for mims but again you're asking for sauce uh pretty good pretty i took pretty him uh it, there's this draft sharks invitational that's been running the last couple of weeks i took mims wide receiver 116 in that thing i wasn't going to take another receiver i took him in the 23rd round it's this really <laughs> deep format i mean that's just ridiculous like why is denzel mims going that late and i've even kind of been the guy that was like uh you know Pete and uh, like Leone and stuff were really t- – what is your – oh, sorry. I read the wrong uh, username here. Um, we're like, you know, ham- you know, he was really high in the ETR ranks for all the right reasons, right? Everything that you said about last year, you know, prospect, blah, blah, blah. But then like, you know, the early reports were really bad. And I was like, guys, I don't think you need to keep taking him in the 14th round or or, or whatever, you know. And, and so now he's fallen. But now it's like, well, now is the time to buy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now's like, the time to get some exposure for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. Kyler, another. He's no somewhat... worse of a bet than the dudes that we took at the end of our draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Today. That. Yeah. That. That is a fact. All right. Two six nine three. Mostly zero RB. Gaskin. What are you doing with Gaskin? Uh, I don't know. He's tough. <laughs> he's a. He's tough. He's a, I don't know, man. I, there's not a lot of things that I. There's not a lot of players or NFL situations that I don't have a lot to say about, but Gaskin is like, honest to God, like he could be Arian Foster, right? Like, I mean, maybe not that good, but this, this guy that sort of came out of nowhere, he had the, the, the production profile in college four year player at, at UW. I got the UW helmet on the, <laughs> on the, on the shelf back here, big fan of Gaskin in college. And he set the, the Washington record for, you know, total yards, all these things, four year, thousand yard rusher. I think it was like, that those things tend to show up actually. We don't really realize this, but with at running back, like the ability to be sort of a workhorse is kind of a skill. Those things tend to show up as undervalued in, in, in uh, the draft. And he goes in the seventh round, doesn't play at all his rookie year. Second year, he comes out, he's 
obviously won the job out of camp. We didn't hear enough about it, but in week one, he was like their starter. And he does it the whole year and is good, is efficient. There's not really anything in the way of him continuing to do that this year. At the same time, there were reports that uh, Denver uh, traded up to get Javante Williams because they thought Miami was going to take Javante Williams. They've been linked to some other running backs. Usually seventh rounders or UDFAs, if we're talking about this with James Robinson, they don't, even if they're good, they don't get a long leash, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. at the NFL level. Teams just don't commit to those guys. They they try to find someone they think is more explosive or more of a game changer at that position. But Miami has done things sort of differently. They've been pretty analytically focused. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if they kind of just commit to Gaskin. So, like, there's – on its face, he's a dead zone running back with no draft capital who had one good year, came out of nowhere last year, and you fade him, right? But then at the same time, it would not really surprise me if he had another 250-touch season and was, like, one of the dead zone running backs that worked. He was he he's a guy I feel like I've made a little bit of a mistake on. Luckily, it's he's only fallen really in ADP. So you know, there's time to kind of recover. Everything that you just said, I uh, I couldn't possibly agree more. And just to add to it, it's like there's a real payoff here. These the reason why these dead zone running backs are dead zone running backs is because even in the dream about it scenario for them, who gives a shit? Like they didn't do anything for you. You know what I mean? David Montgomery. I know David, people get mad because David Montgomery last year, like kind of paid off, but like last year was last year. You know, they brought in Damian Williams. Cohen is maybe back. We'll see whatever. There's not even really a scenario in which David Montgomery, like really pays you off. You know, Miles Gaskin, like you said, could be Arian Foster where who's to say we're not taking him in the first round next year. Maybe he's a workhorse back on this you know, offense has taken a huge leap, right? Second year with Tua. They have Will Fuller. They have Jalen Waddle. They have athletes everywhere. And he's playing passing downs. He's getting the goal line carries. Like, this could be a guy we're talking about next year. Like, why the hell was he going in the sixth round? You know yeah. what I mean? And so, like, I, I, he's been maybe the biggest struggle for me in, like, the entire player pool. So I'm just trying to force myself yeah. to get exposed. I, I will say I don't think his upside is going to be Aaron Foster in terms of just like pure production. And I don't think you're saying that either. Just to, no. to totally clarify that point. I'm just yep. saying um, in terms of the UDFA that came out of nowhere and then just established himself over multiple years as the starter, he's, he kind of has that potential because they didn't really add anything that, that competes with him. Uh, the, the thing I always say about the dead zone is the guys that are bad picks are the ones that are pushed up mostly only by projected volume because they don't have a lot of competition and all these things and that kind of fits Gaskin it definitely fits guys like Mike Davis like we're we're drafting Mike Davis as a 29 year old who's never really done much because his role seems wide open to him and what actually happens over the course of a season is someone else emerges or things don't go the way that we expected in the fantasy community in real life because that's like there's just chaos in NFL seasons so guys like Miles Davis are the ones you fade the ones that can hit in the dead zone are the ones that are pushed down relative to where they should be uh, based on sort of their profile and, uh, because of role concerns. So it's like DeAndre Swift. People are so c- worried about J- Jamal Williams and that offense, but nothing about DeAndre Swift himself is what – I mean, it, it, like he was the RB1 for some people pre-draft last year. Um, I, this guy could be a superstar on his own merits, as good as he was yeah. last year and everything. Uh, the other one is Travis Etienne. Looked like a phenomenal prospect. I had him higher than Najee Harris. He's going four rounds later than Najee Harris or three rounds later than Najee Harris strictly because of where he got drafted. Uh, he literally went one pick after Harris in the draft. They have the same draft capital, but he's in a different offense that it's all projected opportunity that explains that gap is, is my point. Those are guys that are – I, I will take stabs out in the dead zone because it, those are the ones that have hit in the past, young players. Mm-hmm. 
And it's weird. Gaskin can fit into both those buckets. You can say he's only pushed up because we're saying there's not really a lot of competition there and we shouldn't really be trusting him as much. At the same time, you can make a pretty good case that Gaskin would be going higher if not for people sort of just like undervaluing what he did last year and, and how good he was for a lot of these reasons. Like the market has sort of shifted. I think if this was 10 years ago, people would be drafting Gaskin in the third yeah. round and it'd be an easy fade. But we're in a different scenario now where people are a little smarter. They're a little more wary of guys like Miles Gaskin. And because of that, he's like sort of interesting. Like he kind of looks like the guy that's being pushed down for those reasons. He's a he's, dude, the, maybe the hardest player for me to, I, to get a, a strong feel on. I think he is. And I think as draft season has gone on, you know, we did the Mike Davis thing. Mike Davis was like the poster boy for that. Like, oh, you know, everybody got excited, you know, when Atlanta didn't have anybody, they, they signed Mike Davis, right? We saw how good, you know, how good he was last year, blah, blah, blah. So like projectable volume thing. And I was like, I'm, I have no interest in that. Gaskin was the guy, has become the guy where I'm like, if you're going to take Mike Davis, why don't you just take Miles Gaskin? Right. They, they both, they have the same projectable volume, but one has a payoff that I think is actually very real. And the other one, like, I just don't really see how, how Mike Davis pays you off. So I thought it was interesting because, especially in this structure, I think he's he's really interesting. Like, he went elite, elite quarterback. I don't like taking Kyler without, and I don't think you got Rondale. Yeah, I, d- I don't really like taking naked, taking naked Kyler, but whatever. Elite, elite quarterback, zero RB with smash wide receivers, right? Tyreek, Keenan, Amari, God- Godwin is your wide receiver. Four is, is, is beautiful. Uh, yeah, okay, Cam Makers, yikes! That I think you said that here in in the chat. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, timed out, I guess. Um, so, so maybe this conversation <laughs> is off. So maybe this. This conversation is is all for naught, but uh, yeah. Other than the camp, other than the camp Hakers pick, I actually I actually don't don't mind this team. That's that's yeah. really funny. Al- Alex Berg, I think I've seen I think I've seen you in a bunch of drafts. We'll get we'll hit we'll hit one more. Let's see what we got here. Hertz, Etn, Jamal Williams. I love Etn and it, oh, it's J- Jamal. I thought it was Javante. Uh, if, it, if it was Etienne and Javante, yeah, this would be really sexy. Yeah. But Diggs, Ridley, Robert Woods, Pitts, Odell, Chenault, who, who you have Hurts. Did you get? Yeah, so Lawrence, De, Lawrence, DeVisca stack, Hurts to Rager stack. Yeah. Got Ertz, I mean, if you're going to take Hurts, I'm, I'm concerned about Hurts, but if you're going to take Hurts and you get Hurts and Rager, like, okay. And he, and he, he attached on Zach Ertz to go with uh, to go with with Hertz here. Oh, and he got was it Quez at the bottom? Let's see. Oh yeah, oh, and wow. Quez. I mean, I kind of yeah. like I I, I kind of like this same like the market's really down on the Eagles. Uh, frankly, I'm I'm down on the Eagles, but this kind of bet is a pretty fun bet in these large yeah. field tournaments. Like take falling Jalen Hurts, right? Get your late tight end. Like if Ertz actually smashes, like he's clearly way too way too cheap, and then take this. Quez Watkins flyer or Rager or both flyer, right? Devonta Smith is out. We don't even exactly know when he's going to be back either. Yeah. You know, if they hit, it's actually a, a a pretty a pretty fun stack. Six running backs, good structure. Everybody, how am I supposed to sauce any of these teams when they all have like good structures? Other than one one guy taking freaking Cam Akers in like the eighth round, uh, you know, they they all look pretty good to me. Yeah, this is a good team. Chenault, Hardman, Marquise Brown, even after those good receivers, kept going at it at, at receiver. Madison, Bernard, McKinnon. I mean, good Hamler. I mean, these Hamler. are all just good player picks too. I like this yep. team. Yep, good team. So we'll leave it at that. And the other teams must be shit. 
because I like our team yeah. and I like these like three teams that these guys uh, asked us asked us to bring up. So um, I think that'll pretty much wrap us off, wrap us up here, dude. Thank you for thank you for joining me. Uh, this was a very very different draft, different than I do it, different than than yeah. than you probably do it. Anybody do that it, yeah. anybody that watches this is going to be insanely triggered because we started RB RB RB. Um, so be prepared for any sort of flack on Twitter. I hope you're, you're ready for that. But, uh, what do you got? What do you got going on? I saw the newsletter come out. What else? What else you got going on? Stealing bananas. Stealing bananas is a podcast. Me and Sean Siegel. Check that out. Uh, stealing signals is a newsletter. Bengretch.substack.com. It's like eight bucks a month. And I just sent out all my projections today. I'm doing the team by team sort of stealing signals breakdown. For the off season, we'll be doing that during the season every week. Uh, we'll be sending out my rankings here probably tomorrow. So yeah, go subscribe to that. Yeah, make sure you subscribe. Uh, Sean has said it. A bunch of people have said it better better than I. So it's a resource you need to to win in to win in fantasy. I'm trying to take my managed leagues and like I'm in a super serious dynasty league. I listened to all you guys' episodes on dynasty, and it was just like. I was like taking notes on the side, like while I'm listening to these, because there's so much powerful information. I'm, we got a group text with my dynasty league buddies and I'm like selling them on all these scoring changes and format changes and everything. So you guys have definitely inspired a lot of stuff that, that I got going on. And I think from a best ball perspective, you can learn a lot from these other, from, from these other formats. I know I'm mostly focused on, on the best ball stuff, but dude, thanks. Thanks for joining guys. Make sure you head to spikeweek.com. We got everything running up. Everything is up and running. Uh, rankings, tiers, a bunch of different cheat sheets to help you along when you draft, um, so you don't, you know, get scolded by bye week Twitter. So you get the playoff schedules right, and of course the Discord. There's a bunch of these sickos that are just like me in there drafting best ball around the clock, talking through strategy, talking through picks, getting feedback, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. But uh, for me, for Ben, I will catch you. I'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what Ben's doing tomorrow, but I'll be back tomorrow and I will, uh, I will talk to you guys later.